In this episode, we're going to talk about Emmet, which means imagery intelligence. I'm going to give you a basic understanding of how imagery intelligence works, the ways in which we use it, and how you kind of already use it in some ways or have seen people do it, and how you can use it to your own advantage when you're trying to get information from people or just trying to see the changes that happen over time. So imagery intelligent, what is it? Well, it's a bunch of pictures, but we're going to talk about how it works, what we use it for, and how you can use it right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Hey, what's up, man? I just listened to your most recent episode, and I wanted to congratulate you on how far you've came. Sounds like you're doing pretty good. 99 countries, man, that's quite a bit. Definitely one of my favorite podcasts for sure, so keep up the good work, man. That was Malone from the Get Some Bodybuilding Podcast. We featured him on the show that was off-topic, podcast about podcasts, where he was starting his own, was inspired by our show, and big into fitness, and you should go check that out. I do want to point out, too, in the last episode when I gave the stats, I mentioned that we were now on 18 platforms. That's already wrong. We're on 20 now. I just got approved, and I am now also on Amazon Music as well as Audible, which is for the uh, books, book reading deal that Amazon does. Apparently, they have a podcast that they put on there, too. So I added that link in, or I'm going to add that link into the show notes of the previous episode where we did the stats update. So if you know somebody who uses Amazon Music or Audible and wants to listen to the show, they can find it there. Now, imagery intelligence is actually a pretty big deal in the Intel community. It's one of the areas I used quite a bit. It's used very, very frequently and daily in the Middle East, tracking terrorists and war zones, and it's used constantly by the government. Imagery is not done just with satellites, although satellites are pretty magnificent in what they're able to see, how functional they are, but they're up there pretty high and they move really fast. I mean, some of those things are flying 17,000 miles an hour. So not everything we see in movies are accurate, but it's still fun to watch them. Others are things like aircraft, high altitude vehicles, drones. Also, you could just have somebody on the ground with a cell phone and that would be considered imagery. It's just a series of images. How it's done is... It's used to calculate and measure and view changes over time. There are things done with it, just like when you go on, say, Google Earth, and you measure the distance of a road. All that kind of stuff's existed for a very long time, and months fancy your tools when it comes to imagery intelligence to see the different changes and things that have happened. Some things are very easy to tell when it's done by humans. For example, if you look at any images or see any documentaries that have to do with deforestation or the cutting down of the Amazon rainforest, as an example, we tend to do things geometrically. So it's easy to tell when somebody's cutting trees down in large areas because we make all these right angles and straight lines and cut down squares at a time. That's just something that's typically done. If you're like me and you grew up in an area where there's a lot of logging, you can actually go out and as you're driving through the countryside, you can see areas that have been logged based on the age of trees and they do it in fairly straight lines. So it's fairly easy to see. Now, if you've ever seen images or watched a documentary on things about the, uh, the ice caps and glaciers that are melting and receding over time, those are not done naturally. So they don't have those natural straight lines, but over time we can see how certain things melt. And then when the snow and ice comes back, maybe it, isn't coming back as much as it has before. Some of the things we see when we look at military stuff and developments of certain lands and areas, militaries like to do this thing we call dress right dress. They like everything to be uniform, park the same way, look the same way. It's just a natural habit of the military for good order and discipline. But in imagery, we can see that too. So it's a lot easier to look at things, even if it's a secret base per se, 
that has vehicles or aircraft parked outside that sometimes you can make a guess on who's involved or the military's involved just by the way things are put out there because that's how we like to do it. We like to keep them perfect, kind of like a car lot that keeps all the cars perfect. It's the same thing that the militaries do. Some of the most recent imageries, you can actually find some online, have to do with military movements of Russia. They're not the only one. And how they are currently moving troops around Ukraine and advertising it as normal military training, which very well may be. Also as a show of force for different reasons. But some of the movements they're doing look very similar to when they made moves, not for normal military training, but before they invaded Crimea. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do anything. I'm just saying that's an example how over time you can see changes in an area. That information is cataloged. Later on down the road, you see changes again. Same area, maybe another area, and you realize, oh, this same thing we saw before that turned out to be A, B, and C. Therefore, this suggests here's what the changes may be. We can also see things like if you go back and look at, there's documentaries on it, but there's also images of during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we use things like the U-2 spy plane, flew over it a lot, took a lot of photos. And over time, we saw the changes, airfields being built, equipment being brought in, missile systems showing up. There's stuff that was on that where they only showed one image or many images from things like the Gulf War. And that's happened in many wars and other actions along the way. Now, it tells us a lot more information than just the changes. So if we're looking at an area like, let's say, Cuba during the crisis, and we see an area and we're seeing it's getting developed, let's say they're building a runway. Well, we assume it's a runway or presume based on logical deductions of where it is, what we know the ground and area to be like, and the winds and the weather, the physical size of it, the length of it. And we've seen enough stuff in history. We can say, hey, that might be an airfield. Then as vehicles come in and we look at the size of the vehicles and what we know about the people that are putting vehicles there, maybe putting vehicles there and other imageries we have and information, we can cross-reference that and determine most logically, what kind of vehicles those are. Now, why we still do the same thing, the advancement in photo technology and digital information and video has come so far. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, we had those big Zenith TVs. Things were like, were they three feet tall, four feet wide, two and a half feet thick, weighed 7,000 pounds? I, I don't think the idea of a flat screen TV or 4K or 3D ever even popped into anybody's mind unless they were working on that technology. So now we can see things even better, and it's a lot easier to cross-reference that information. Now, if you take it to, say, a, a professional level, like private investigators, for example, we have private investigators out there list this. They do surveillance on specific contracts. They're hired for to, say, follow an individual. Let's say it's a cheating spouse. What they're doing is they're going out there with their camera, and they're taking photos of an individual at a location at a certain date and time. They probably have several photos, including a wide-angle shot showing the whole area, not just a close-up, all the way to a close-up to verify this is who the person is. And then it may or may not be time-stamped or you're taking their word for it, but they're putting the information there saying, hey, here's when this was, here's the time, here's the date. And then the person they're giving that to can use the information to cross-reference based on whatever information they have to say, well, you know, I was at work doing this. And they're like, well, I got these photos. That's not where you were. You were down at the Sheridan. Imagery works kind of the same way on a bigger scale is where... We can take the information we have and we can balance against other information or information that's collected to determine a better series of facts and probabilities. It also can be used to evaluate sources. If we get a source coming in, it seems like they're giving good information. Maybe something's fishy. Maybe it's not. It seems all normal. Then we start getting some imagery in and that's the intel we have contradicting what they're saying. It starts to bring into question the valid of that source. Are they giving us a bunch of garbage or do they believe this information is to be true because that's what they were told? Or they're going to sit there and challenge us and tell us that our multi-million dollar satellites are wrong. 
The biggest thing just to understand is it's a, a, a way to collect information by collecting a series of images over time to see changes and then to balance that and use that against other known information. It gives us more information to look at, to ask more questions, and may fill in gaps, just like all disciplines do. Now, how do we already do this? Well, if you didn't do this or don't, nobody, don't know anybody who did it, you probably saw it on a movie where somebody lives in a house, usually the farmhouse or wherever, family home. Every year on their birthday, they measure the kids against the wall, put a little pencil mark. You know that whole story. That's a way to look at imagery, a way to measure change over time. Think about going to school and you get those school book photos every year and you can see the changes over time. And then what about that friend or somebody you haven't seen in five or 10 years and then they look different? Well, it's very noticeable because your last mental image of them was the last time you saw them regularly. Maybe your mental engine isn't 100% perfect to what they look like back then, unless you have photos to compare it to, but all of a sudden they show up with a different haircut. Maybe they've gained weight, maybe they lost weight, maybe they got in better shape. Maybe they're sick when you see them. But we see all these changes. Now, imagine if you hadn't seen somebody for 10 years and you had a photo of them every month. Now, maybe not every month. You miss a couple months, so make it even number. We'll say in 10 years, you have an average of about a monthly photo for a total of 100 photos. Now you can see the change over time and you can narrow down specific changes to a 30 day window. So it's one thing to see a person after five years and they got this new haircut and then they tell you, you got it, they got it last week, which is probably true. But imagine if you compare it to Intel gathering and say, there's this person, you haven't seen them in five years, they got a haircut last week, but you have a hundred photos of them over the last five years, and you know that two and a half years ago is when they got the haircut and they've been maintaining it since then. That's part of the way imagery helps us. Other things, though, is that we can get valuable information from a single image. One of the things I've talked about before is uh, marketing and cyber strategies used by companies in order to do not just ad tracking, but to sell your products. Some of the ways these programs are designed is they can go into your social media. you got a family there. I think the example I gave is a party or Thanksgiving or something, you got the table set, people there, and in the background you have a few items and maybe, you know, a box of stovetop stuffing, something that a computer processor can see and analyze. And they use that to look at those products to try to sell you other things or to gear you towards newer products. Same idea when I talked about whatever that game was, it was sold as a game, it was a footfall strategy to get people to physically go places instead of just shopping online where you were chasing like Pikachus or whatever. Same idea. You can look at a photograph of somebody online and sometimes you can tell if they're full of shit because they say they're somewhere and you're like, that's your mom's house. Or you can see whether they say it or not that there's something about the background. Like you can tell they're at the beach and there's ocean back there and it's good weather, but you don't know anything about them traveling or what they've been doing. So that piques your interest. The other things are, think about all those funny photos online we see where they talk about people checking their background and they do some selfie and then like their bathroom's trash or they didn't flush the toilet or they they have some adult toys stuck to the wall in the, in the shower. I don't know why that one came to me. Probably because it made me laugh so hard. The point is we're drawn to those things and we're told to look for them because we see these websites. Look at these 25 photos. People didn't check their background. So you're going to go check the background because you think it's probably going to be funny and you're told to do so. But now what you can do is you can take things like photos or images or even video and you can look in the background for the other things. Like I've talked about in even recent episodes about when I did threat identification, taking some event, 
that may have violence, like a riot or a protest, maybe a robbery that was caught on closed circuit television and shutting off the auto so you don't have the audio distraction just to look at the video and the footage or the photograph. And you see what's happening because that's what they're talking about. You see the attack. You see this happen. You see the violence. You see the cops respond. Fine, you see that. Watch it a few times. Look for those different things. Then start looking in the background. What do you see in the background? What are people in the background doing? We see this all the time. Journalists do it, but other people do it too, that take significant events like this, put them up, talk about them, talk about the event, put their spin on it. Maybe they have a bias. Maybe they're just reporting good information. A lot of times they'll pull out stuff in the background and say, hey, look what's happening here or what's not happening here. This is the type of information we can use as background information to gain more intel on what we're doing. Think about buying a car. Car comes with a sticker price. You go online, you look at a car, say it's a truck, it's $52,885. So it's probably a pretty decent truck or a nice truck. And then they'll throw in there, you know, in small print, you got to pay tax title license. That's a few hundred bucks and document fees. You know, this doesn't count tax and, you know, any finance charges. Then what a lot of people don't do is they don't look at the imagery. The imagery is the sticker in the window, and sometimes there's two. One's the big one. It comes from the manufacturer. It'll list off all the options in there and what their price is they list as a manufacturer for those options, which typically gets calculated into the price. So typically, most cars anymore, you still see the base model price of whatever it is, whatever version of that trim is, and then you have these additional prices, and a lot of people just kind of glaze over those. Then they'll usually have a thinner sticker that goes to the side, printed out by the dealer on some of them, and let's just put on a new big one that will say all these other fees and charges will go in. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, maybe this is a lot more than 52, whatever I said. You know, there's other things we do too. Like I did a video and I talked about, I did a show and I talked about training and how to look at trainers because good training comes from good trainers. It's not about how they advertise or what they say they're teaching. It's who are your instructors. And that's what I really talked about. I look at images on these websites sometimes when I evaluate them, depending on the type of person that's running, say, training and who they are and what their background is. A lot of the opinion I get of them right away comes from the images I find on the website. I much rather prefer see images of them or them training people than generic images of people doing a job or performing training. There's definitely not these individuals. That takes away from credibility and it's not that hard to find. Why a lot of people don't do reverse image searches, you could do that and you could go to a website and say, well, I got these two places I want to go get this type of training from, whatever it is. It could be firearms training, it could be how to sew a better blanket. And let's say you know how to do reverse image searches or figure it out. And then you do one and link it back to their Facebook page and some other stuff and realize, oh, this is all them. This is where they teach and train. This is the actual people. Then you go to the other one you're thinking about and you do the reverse image search. And these are stock photos from PhotoBucket or Google or somewhere. And it's not actually them doing their training. Part of the reason I'd make the judgment and go for the first one is when the second one, I wonder, well, are they putting the time and effort in? Are they just being lazy? Are they not doing any actual imagery by taking photos or videos and putting them on their website? If they're not putting that much detail in their business, like everybody else is, what other things are they not putting details in? This is an example of how using imagery to get intelligence on any subject or product we're buying or service we want to partake in could possibly lead us down to ask more questions. So I'm not saying these people are lazy or not doing these things, but it brings these questions up to mind. And then I have to decide, do I just want to go with that first one using the scenario I gave you? Or do I want to look more into the second one and say, well, why is this not happening? I mean, there's always a possibility that they're a much more reputable company doing so many things that they don't have time for that because they have a small staff. But it brings up questions and that gives us more things to go after to get intelligence. Another way that we use imagery intelligence are places like YouTube. Because you're not getting images from me here. You're just listening to my voice. This is another type of information. But 
One of the things about YouTube is like people go on there to learn things, but let's say you're going to buy something. You want to buy something or use a new free piece of software. And we don't know how to use it that well, maybe. So we go on places like YouTube and we watch reviews, how-to videos, and all this type of stuff. That is a type of imagery intelligence because it's video, they're images. Sometimes there's photos in there. But from that, we're getting the information. And the information a lot of times they're giving us is even if they're showing us on the screen on a how-to video, we're hearing them talk about it. Now, that's not typical in imagery intelligence. We'll use things like satellites and drones. We're not hearing things. But that audio information is reinforce, reinforcing the images that we're seeing that's giving us the information and something to look at. So why there's a lot of videos I watch and a lot of places that have good videos and good production value. If I've got two people doing two high-quality videos on the same subject and one of them sits there and talks about it and shows, say, like when I was going to buy a new computer, they talk about all the information. They both talk about all the same detailed information. And one guy throws up a couple images from the website of this computer but the other guy has the computer and he's showing him working on it. He's bringing stuff up. He's showing you how the things work and how quick they are. I like that one better because his imagery is giving me more information where the other one's just using stock photos and either is not putting the time in or doesn't have the ability at this point to put in better imagery to make his video more appealing to me. If you think about imagery as just images or videos we're seeing, why not all of it necessarily qualifies as image? For us, it would be. Think about things I've talked about, just communicating with people, building rapport, body language, or the simplistic version of people. The only 5% of this whole concept of the gray man that people tend to look at is physical appearance. A form of imagery intelligence we get is what we see when we look at somebody. So when you see them and we see how they're dressed and we see how they do their hair and what clothes they're wearing based on where they're at, we make a lot of judgments about who they are and what they're doing, which might be good, might be bad, might not be. But it's something that we naturally do. And we make an assessment on the individual because of that image. That's without gaining any other intel. That's without looking at anything else. That's without talking to them. Perhaps we know them well enough we can make those assessments. We don't talk to them. We don't follow around. We don't engage them. We just see them. We make a judgment. I'm not saying that's unfair or wrong. I'm just saying that's reality. And that is a form of imagery intelligence that we use all the time. So the thing to remember is why I gave you just a basic understanding of how Emmet works, and it's looking at images of people, places, and things, nouns, over time and seeing the changes and comparing it to other data and using it to come up with questions to get more data. We do it all the time. And it's important to remember that just like we talk about that on average, all communication is about 70% nonverbal. I don't remember what the numbers are. There's been studies over the year, but Anything you look at that talks about of all of our senses, where most of us get by far most of our information, is through our eyes and the things we see. A lot of times when we watch the news versus reading the news, what changes or influences our opinion about a story isn't the story itself. It's the images they put along with it to reinforce their version of events or their twist on it. Or maybe there's none of those things. Maybe it's completely unbiased and clean journalism, but because we're different than the individual who created that, those images may influence us to have a different thought or opinion on that story that's being told. That's why I prefer to read the news and see more information, see where their sources and references are. You don't see that on a TV screen. And it's important to highlight this information so that no matter what you're doing out there, 
if you're going to engage with somebody or feel like you might have to engage with somebody, whether it's conversation, rapport building, you want to avoid them. It's somebody you don't want to talk to. You're going on a date. It doesn't really matter what the reason is. It's to remember that some of our biases about people or places have to do with many things like past events. Some of them have to do with our own belief systems, but some of it too is because of the images we see. And we forget that the images we see influence our thoughts and opinions about people, places, and things, no matter how much we're trying to check our biases, because while we're looking consciously, because you have to, to move around, we're subconsciously taking that in and processing it in our brains to come up with a lot of these thoughts and opinions that we don't realize we're doing. So remember that. Remember that images have a huge effect on what we do. And while we're able to take things like collection disciplines in the intel world and isolate different forms of collections that have to do with our senses as well as many other features and technologies that we have, as a human, as a person, when we're moving around, talking, reading things, going to school, going to work, engaging with people, watching a YouTube video, we can't really isolate all of our senses. We may focus on one more than the others or focus on more of them and less on one, but we can't isolate those through technology because we're organic beings. So just remember, images are very powerful. They're a great source of information and intelligence, but they also have some of the biggest influence on the things we think and believe because of how they're brought to us. That's why we have a lot of issues with people when we challenge them or just have normal debates or friendly conversations where if you really think about some of these conversations where people believe things, they're getting them from places that feed them a lot of images. And it's hard to sit there and look at a person and debate and argue with them effectively unless you're bringing up data. And the problem with data is it's not fun to look at. Data is in images unless it's in a flashy chart. But if it's in a flashy chart, all of a sudden we realize it's a flashy chart. I want to see the actual data. But it's boring, it's difficult, requires more work. That's why images are so effective. That's why commercials, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to have the hot chicks and bikinis on the beach drinking a Corona. Because hot chicks on a beach are who drinks Corona. If you drink Corona, you're going to be a hot chick on the beach. Remember all that stuff? All done in marketing. Images. It's a huge thing. So image intelligence is very important. We use it all the time. Just remember it's there. Take advantage of it. Look in the background and separate the audio from the video when you're researching things and evaluating them. But also don't forget that it influences us beyond our control. We just have to be aware of that and recognize it because it affects our biases and our opinions on things. When a lot of times, maybe they shouldn't. If you like this episode, don't forget us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're at. And don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublication.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman. Hiding in plain sight.